Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 174 and part 5 of the High Performance Heritage mini-series on the Shelby Dodge era. On this episode, we're going to be covering the Shelby CSX. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. The Shelby CSX was a limited production high performance automobile based on the Dodge Shadow and Plymouth Sundance. These cars were offered by Shelby Automobiles Inc. from 1987 through 1989. The first Shelby CSX appeared in 1987, and power came from Shelby's intercooled Turbo 2 2.2 inline four cylinder producing 175 horsepower at 5,300 RPM and 175 foot pounds of torque from 2,200 to 4,800 RPM and had a zero to 60 time of 6.8 seconds. Shock absorbers and springs were replaced and Daytona Shelby Z rear discs were added. Once again, Shelby used his own wheels. Outside badging was more restrained than other Shelby offerings, and black was the only color available. 750 of the 1987 CSXs were sold, priced at $13,495, and there was no optional equipment. In 1966, Shelby created a special line of Shelby Mustangs for the Hertz Car Rental Company. Shelby repeated this method in 1988 with the creation of the CSXT, for the Thrifty Rental Company, the CSXT was only sold to Thrifty. All 1,001 units produced were white with gray and blue trim. The CSXT was mechanically similar to the 1987 CSX, except the non-intercooled Turbo 1 engine was used. Two variations were made, an intercooled version given to the president of Thrifty, and a version with a factory sunroof given to the president's daughter. The final CSX was 1989's CSX VNT. This would be the final Shelby Dodge and marked two notable technological advances. The introduction of a Garrett variable nozzle turbo, the VNT, which was the first application of variable turbine technology in a production car, and the application of composite wheels designed by Shelby and produced by Motor Wheel Corporation known as Fiber Rides, which were lighter than contemporary aluminum wheels. The engine was Chrysler's new intercooled turbo 4 equipped with a Getreg A555 5-speed transmission. The variable geometry turbo vanes were computer-controlled and needed no wastegate. Instead, they adjusted the flow of exhaust gases to spool up instantly and provide strong power. Chrysler kept the horsepower rating at 175 horsepower, but upped the torque rating to 205 foot-pounds at 2100 RPM. Full torque was available from this low RPM to well past redline. Turbo leg was eliminated with full boost at a 15 PSI spike available at 2100 RPM. Car and Driver magazine called it a high-tech hot rod and a technological showcase and were impressed with the engine's flexibility and top gear acceleration. They tested it all the way up to 156 miles an hour. Synthetic oil and premium fuel were specified for use with this car to prevent turbo overheating and prolong engine life. Rather than a proper tune-up, 
The VNT's control systems were advanced for the time. Replacing the VNT with a simple but lag-prone Turbo 2 was common. Examples with the VNT system intact are today considered more valuable to collectors. Shelby installed emblems in the engine compartment specifying Mobile One synthetic oil only, as he did on other Shelby Dodges. These are often missing on long-running examples. The suspensions were also modified, and the alignment specs are radically different from the other Shelby Dodges. On the exterior, Shelby chose exotic red, a mix of bright red and maroon, with gold wheels and trim and a ground effects package produced by Caminari Aerodynamics to set the VNT apart from the standard CSX. The MSRP was $15,995. Production was limited to 500 vehicles, including two prototypes, and with the completion of cars, Carroll Shelby's direct involvement with Dodge was complete, although he continued to work on projects with Chrysler, often taking advisory roles which included the development of the Dodge Viper and the Viper GTS. The 89 Shelby CSX production figures can be broken down into the following. 15 were equipped as two option, coming factory with 225 wide tire option, as well as Recaro bucket seats. Two were used as prototypes, and two were equipped with non-Recaro and wide option tires. The remaining were either Recaro or non-Recaro equipped cars with regular sized tires. The front air dams and rear wing can still be purchased from Caminari Aerodynamics. The wing is now equipped with an LED brake light built into it. The front air dams are slightly different than the original factory piece. And that's pretty much it when it comes to the CSX. When I was young, you know, my dad had a 1988 Plymouth Sundance. And I hated that car. I really did. I don't know. There was nothing cool about it. And when I thought that it was going to be my first car, I was like, there's no way I could make this Sundance cool. And funny enough, I actually thought about buying a bunch of CSX parts for it and putting them on the Sundance. Um, as the story goes, I did not get the Sundance as my first car. Um, although looking back, at least I would have been able to say my first car was a Mopar and it was not. But, um, you know, over time, I've grown to love Dodge Shadows and um, specifically the Shelby CSX. And we actually, my dad and I, have acquired a 1987. Um, it popped up, and I forget if it was on Facebook Marketplace or if it was on Craigslist, but it was $180. <laughs> my dad actually picked it up. Um, it, he bought it for 180 bucks, and... You know, it's kind of like our little project that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, the head was taken off and a bunch of parts are missing off of it, but we have everything to put it back together. So I would love to turn it into a little track car someday. It's a super cool car. I'm glad to have one, but I really just haven't put in the time into it. It's got a really cool patina to it. So I kind of want to, you know, just shine it up and uh, take it to the track. That'd be a lot of fun. I would love to get that car to the track, crush some cones with it and uh, just see what it can do, you know? Um, I have uh, uh, an affinity for front-wheel drive turbo Mopars. It's no secret. Um, I have a 1987 Dodge Daytona Shelby Z, um, bright red car, uh, gray leather interior. It's just, uh, it's one of those cars that's on the back burner, and it's been on the back burner for too long. But, um, you know, we also have the Shelby CSX, so I'd love to get both of those cars running. And then I also have a 1988 Dodge Daytona Shelby Z that's blue. And um, I think I want to turn it into a drag car. You know, the passenger door and a little bit of the quarter panel are caved in. So I, I think if I can just get some parts to throw it together, it would be a really cool um, 
drag car just for some fun. Uh, probably leave it front wheel drive um, until we can get a Hemi in it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, these front wheel drive turbo Mopars are so cool. And I, I just love them, you know, along with the muscle cars. Um, they're just neat cars and I, I would love to have one. And I was just on a podcast or actually it was a, it's a YouTube live show with my friend Joe Vita. Um, you can find her at SRT Joe Vita on social media. Um, she has a really cool show on her YouTube channel called the SRT Joe Vita show. And she actually had me on the last episode for her first season. And we were talking about Dodge and front wheel drive turbo Mopars and how I just don't think that the neon SRT four was given the love it should have been given when it was released. Um, you know, it was kind of like an ode back to the days of front wheel drive turbo Mopars. It's, it's just one of those eras in the high performance heritage of Mopars that are often overlooked by the hardcore muscle car enthusiasts. And I think that's a shame because if you want a, a good gas sipper, that's also fun to drive, look no further than a front wheel drive turbo Mopar. You know what I mean? If, if you want to get 25 to 30 miles to the gallon and still have a good time, man, um, you know, uh, I can't say anything uh, bad about the front wheel drive turbo Mopars. Um, I think they're awesome. You know, <laughs> they even had the K cars that were front wheel drive and you could get them with turbos. So, I mean, they tried. They even had a Dodge Caravan you could get turbocharged. So say what you will about four-cylinder cars, but I think that the turbo front-wheel drive era of Mopars should be recognized and should be celebrated. And that's all I have to say about that. No Mopar left behind. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.